Hier komen we in vreemd. My name is Rose Ward and you're listening to Red Flag Radio, the podcast of Red Flag Newspaper in Australia. We're recording this podcast on the land of the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nation, land that was stolen, that was never ceded, that always was and always will be Aboriginal land. On the show, we discuss politics, history, theory and activism from a radical revolutionary socialist perspective and each episode we're joined by people on the ground. I'm in such a hurry with this intro and you know why, because we have live on the line with us at this moment and I will tell you that we're recording on Wednesday the 20th of November at uh, 11 minutes past six Australian time with Ben Hillier, the editor of Red Flag, who has been producing... What I have to say is some outstanding um, journalism from on the streets in the universities at uh, in Hong Kong. Um, so that's why I'm so excited. I can't even get through the intro. So, Ben, how are you? Tell us, are you OK? We were a bit worried over here for a little while about where you were and if you're safe. So you're safe? Uh, yes, yes, I'm, I'm totally fine. OK, well, let's start at the beginning when you... Got to Hong Kong, um, like what were you expecting, first of all, kind of to see from what you'd been reading in the press from an Australian perspective? Did you have expectations or? I, I didn't really have many expectations, but even if I had had expectations, they would have been shattered on arrival, I must say. Uh, I, I, I landed here um, late uh, or, uh, sorry, early evening last Tuesday, uh, and the, the entire situation was just exploding everywhere. The, uh, the, the day before on Monday, uh, a student had been shot uh, in the abdomen at point blank mm. range by a police officer, which had started to um, uh, set off a series of protests. And on Tuesday evening, uh, one of the uh, universities, uh, the Chinese University of Hong Kong, was laid siege to by the police. Uh, the, the, the students and 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 radical youth as well, because it's not just students. There's a lot of working class youth that are involved in the street, in the street protests, street fighting, and and the fighting in the universities. Um, but they they'd planned what they called a general strike uh, for for Monday. It wasn't a regular general strike, mm. i.e., a strike by by the workers' movement. Uh, it, it was an attempt by uh, the students and, and the youth in the city to cause as much disruption and mayhem as possible to shut the city down. Mm. Um, and one of the ways they were doing that at the Chinese university was uh, they barricaded themselves over a bridge at one of the entrances and they built barricades across the Tolo Highway, which is one of the key arterials linking the new territories to Kowloon. Um, so a very important road. Uh, and universities were, were blocking roads around the city as well. But the police had gone in and they went in uh, quite hard with rubber bullets and tear gas. Uh, people, uh, alumni, locals, uh, uh, radicals from other universities and the uh, suburbs uh, rushed to the university to help, um, to, to help fend off the police. Uh, people there were tear gassed as well, people coming on, the, the alumni, the uh, the the chief of the university came in to negotiate. He and other officials of the university were, were tear gassed as well. And all around town, 
the pace was just going up in uh, with roadblocks and uh, street demonstrations and riots, um, in, in which was basically a tactic um, uh, that was planned to spread the police force uh, as, as thinly as possible across the city in order to help save uh, the, the students at the university. So the first the first thing that I got straight off the plane, dumped my, um, uh, dumped my stuff at a hotel, and I went to a place called Mong Kok, which is one of the working class uh, districts. And it's there was a, a confrontation going on there, and uh, riot police on the streets, and mm. seemed maybe only a couple of hundred uh, people uh, who were on the front lines sort of lobbing uh, lobbing bricks at them. There were barricades mm. up all over the place, fires and, and, and shops being smashed. Um, uh, and the, the police were, were driving people back with um, with tear gas and basically took over the, the main road, which is called Nathan Road, runs straight down the middle mm. um, of, of uh, Hong Kong, not, not Hong Kong Island, but the, uh, the section of Hong Kong, which is just to the north of that. Um, but when they started to treat, um, it, it became clear that there, were, there weren't just hundreds, there were thousands of people and they were swarming everywhere, uh, throwing Molotov cocktails, bricks, um, uh, grabbing, they were raiding uh, construction sites for, for weapons and things to uh, reinforce the, the barricades. And it was, it was just on for young and old. And it mm -hmm. went on for hours and hours into the night, this relentless back and forth between the police and the radical, uh, the, the radical youth there. Mo most of them masked up to protect their identities, uh, which is uh, pretty understandable given the, the situation they're facing. Um, yeah. But that was that night one, basically, uh, a night of in, in mayhem, the mm -hmm. likes of certainly I've never seen anything like it uh, in, in my life and didn't really expect to, to see something like that in, in my lifetime. Yeah, well. yeah. So... I mean, a lot of discussion has happened about who who are the people involved in this. You know, the the portrayal of the people on the streets. You know, they've been labelled as rioters. All of that kind of language that's going around in the mainstream media. You've been able to talk to some of the people involved or get a sense of um, who is it and sort of why are they so angry at this point and why do they feel like this is the strategy for now. Do you have an impression of that? Yeah, I, I've spoken to, to lots of people and uh, so, sometimes with with the help of a, a translator, but a, a lot of people also uh, speak English because it's torture in the schools, which mm. is one thing that's made it easier. Uh, it, it's very it's very young. There are a lot of high school students mm. uh, involved as well, people that, that go to the campuses, that, that go onto the streets. Um, uh, writing is, I think, apt description of some of the, the actions that have been going on. Yeah. It, it's an incipient rage um, and partly it's been building since since June, really, um, that the protest actions have been going on. And really it's, it's, it's fundamentally about, <clears throat> uh, the, on one hand, the, the fact that the, the Chinese Communist Party is accelerating its uh, integration of Hong Kong into, into that country, it's something it's supposed to there's supposed to be a 50-year transition period between uh, Britain returning Hong Kong to Chinese sovereignty in 1997 uh, to full integration by 2047. 
Um, but it but it's clear that through uh, the Chinese government's control of uh, nominations for the executive, uh, its control of uh, or tremendous influence over the way that legisl the legislative elections take place, and therefore continually having a majority of Beijing loyalists there. Uh, it's everybody here says that the police force is totally run by um, Beijing now, and that. Uh, Chinese uh, Chinese police are being rotated through. Um, they have five demands, uh, one, one of which is to, they've won, which was to have uh, an extradition bill which would have allowed fugitives from Hong Kong to be deported to the mainland uh, to be tried and potentially jailed. Um, that was withdrawn, but uh, the other key demand is for universal suffrage. They want the right to be able to choose uh, their own government without the interference um, of Beijing. And other demands <coughs> relate to the police and uh, the way that their movement has been characterised. Uh, but the, the level of antipathy towards the police force now, which uh, I'm told has been building since June, but really this week since uh, since the shooting of the student on Monday and the vision of the way that the police have been handling uh, young protesters, it has really escalated. Um, and you would think, on one hand, with the, the tremendous amount of disruption that's been going on, the, the vandalism of any symbol of Chinese capitalism or of the, the, the Chinese Communist Party, the shutting down of rail lines, the destruction uh, of property, of the, the transit system, etc. You, you would think that potentially that would start to drain or sap the resolve of the population in its support of the young people. But so far, at least, that simply hasn't been the case. In fact, if anything, the support has gone up and up. Mm. For example, I was at, a, I've just come back from a demonstration um, at Central on Hong Kong Island, which is basically the the Wall Street of, of Hong Kong or the, the city of, mm. of London, the, the, the centre of the financial district. That, every lunchtime over the last week, hundreds and at some point thousands of white-collar office workers have come down in protest to support the students just in their lunch hour because they feel like they, they want to show support, they want to show the government um, that uh, they're, they're with the, the youth. Um, and there, there were several hundred there today um, but the, the, I, I sidled up to uh, a young guy who work, uh, who's a, you know, works in one of the, the corporate offices of one of the, the big banks, um, and he could speak English, so he was able to uh, tell me what, what the chants were that were going up. And the chants were, given that, given, you know, a bunch of really well-dressed uh, uh, finance and office workers uh, the, the, the chants were, uh, they were, they were chanting that the police were triads, basically mafia, law unto themselves. They were chanting for the immediate disbandment of the police. They were chanting that the police are rapists and murderers. And f finally, they were also chanting that they were chanting for the death of uh, the family members of every police officer. That's yeah, the sort wow. of, uh, yeah, that's yeah. the sort of... Uh, rage that that is uh, around around the city and and this was this was the most mild demonstration that i've been to since since i was here yeah, uh, yeah. The, the police quite quickly moved people off the road and people stayed on the footpaths and nobody was fighting but clearly the attitude of uh, of a whole section of the population um is absolute rage at, at, at the police force
people talk constantly about so, sorry? I was just going to say that the image of that, you know, you can't imagine walking down Collins Street past the stock exchange and seeing a bunch of white collar workers out of the stock exchange shouting that we want, you know, death to the families of the police officers. You know, the scale of that it, as an exactly. image. Is, yeah, it's incredible. I was, I was going to ask you, Ben, exactly. about... Ben, I wanted to ask you about one of the things from afar that I think has caught a lot of people off guard has been the the longevity of this struggle. You know, a lot of us probably saw this break out back in June and thought, well, you know, this is amazing, but it'll, you know, it'll, it'll probably die away quickly. And we've all been surprised and amazed by how the kind of courage and relentlessness of these protesters. Um, and I was, I know you've spoken a bit about the sort of rage and the, and the sort of hatred towards the regime and the hatred towards the cops. Um, but I'm sure you must have met a bunch of uh, really brave activists on the front line. I was wondering if you, could, if you, if you had any particular moments that you thought really, you know, s- spoke to that kind of courage in the face of apparently insurmountable odds? Yes, there's sort of two, there's two types really of people that, that you meet. And this is a gross generalisation because I, obviously I haven't been here that long uh, and I'm, I'm hardly uh, an expert on uh, the politics of, of, the, of the city. But the, the two types that you generally tend to meet and that others have spoken about is you have uh, what's called the front line, who are the people who who want to take it up to the police and who the, they're the people that are of cocktails, throwing bricks, defending demonstrations, etc. And then you've got other people who really act as um, support networks and, and just numbers in general all, all around the place. Um, that the, the, the front line people um, of... I've only spoken to, I guess, really a handful of them, uh, mainly because uh, in the short week that I've been here, it has just been on for young and old, and people are just frenetic. So it's not, it's not as though there are all these moments of lull where you get a chance to sit down and talk to people. Often they're, they're too busy to talk because mm-hmm. they're too busy building, you know, rushing to build barricades or, you know, create more Molotov cocktails. The sense that you get from people um, and and others who have had contact uh, with, you know, who who know people in the front line uh, is, is that nobody really believes they can win, but they, they are, they're gonna like that. It's, you know, live on your feet or die on your knees seems to be the attitude uh, that is animating this. And, I also, you know, I've also wondered, even being here for this week, you sort of wonder how long can it go on? You feel like, how, how, how long can they keep this up? Um, now, well, the, intense, the intensity of now, well, maybe, maybe that is, and I can talk about this uh, in a moment if you'd like, that may be starting to change to a, a, a different set of tactics um, uh, after the fall of Polytechnic. Yeah. University has been a whole, whole bunch of debates, but but the key thing is, it's because the it's not just that they face uh, an intransigent opposition in in Beijing, it's that people can see that they are going to be taken over by a totalitarian dictatorship. Um, mm-hmm. it, it's and that is not going away, um, and as that gets closer, it, it can only it can only continue to fuel the, the sentiments that people have. I mean, I, I guess there's, uh, there's a chance that 
with all the intensity that has gone on thus far, you know, from June all the way through to now, and particularly after a week that, that we've just had, um, the, the rage and the energy potentially could flip into its opposite of, you know, passivity, demoralisation, depression, despair. Um, yeah. resignation, despair. Um, uh, but some of, so, and, and I wouldn't want to predict either way, I'm not sure, I'm saying that that, that may well be a possibility, but, mm. but looking at the way things have gone this week, the, the, just the resolve, um, at least at the moment, even, in, even while people, like people say that nobody believes they can win, um, but even not believing they can win, they are, ab- you know, they are absolutely going tooth and nail. And yeah. the, the university, uh, the the Polytechnic University, which was under intense uh, siege over the weekend from Saturday night all the way through, well, it's actually it's actually still under siege now because there's still uh, a few activists in there, we uh, I believe. Um, but really, all the way through to um, Monday morning was the height of it. Um, just the you know. I mean, it's it's hard to. I'm sure you've seen the vision, but all the way leading up to this confrontation, which they knew was coming, it was 24 hours. There were people. There were hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of Molotov cocktails mm. just being pumped out, and there were hundreds of people, which turned into two to three thousand, uh, who were just not backing down as as the yeah. as the cops were, you know, pushing in. Um, uh, that eventually, people were encircled. They couldn't leave, um, but. Even before they're in circle, people were just saying, "Well, they come. We're throwing molotovs. We're just we're not going to give in. Like this is not going to end." Um, so, and it was it's quite incredible to watch. So you were inside the polytechnic right at the beginning, before that it, it became under siege. How did you end yeah, up I there? Visited was, the, yeah, the, well, I I've been visiting the polytechnic um, since. Uh, Wednesday uh, last week, um, just going back and forth to to talk to people. Wednesday last week, it was fairly quiet, but from from Thursday, things started to uh, uh, ratchet up. More people were coming in. Uh, the barricades were starting to be uh, reinforced to a greater degree. And then on Friday night, uh, the the Chinese University of Hong Kong. Uh, that was evacuated. The students decided it was a no. It was a no-win situation. There'd been a, a car had exploded. It's, it's not quite clear exactly why. But I think potentially the activists themselves had set it on fire uh, right near a, a key barricade. But it exploded with three big explosions, and hence that well, that would mean the police were going to come. They they weren't going to be able to hold the campus, so they. They evacuated and sent people back to other universities, one of which was a polytechnic. And the polytechnic um, probably has was the most fortified of the universities because it's not one unlike the Chinese university, which has a sprawling campus, um, uh, you know, lots of green space. The polytechnic's right in the centre of town, and it's built upwards, not outwards. Um, and the, the student there had been uh, for several days at that point had been blocking the cross tunnel, uh, the cross harbour tunnel, which is one of the key roads in the city leading to Hong Kong Island. Um, and you, you, you just had a, you had a sense that there's no way that the police and the government were going to allow this to, to continue going on. So I kept going back there Saturday night. Um, the, the cops had started to, to attack. Then they retreated. Sunday morning I went back about 10am 
and that's when the police came again. But this time, uh, it was it was you end up being a monumental show of force by the police, and they surrounded the entire university to stop anything coming in and to stop anyone going out. Except, you know, when people did go out, they were people just arrested, and that that siege lasted from 10 a.m. Well, in a sense, it's still going. Um, I I got out of there about 6 a.m on uh monday morning um when it was still like the it was chemical this may sound over the top but it was chemical warfare by the police just round after round after round of tear gas just suffocating the area Mm. and if anyone not have a really good uh mask such as myself (laughs) <laughs> you had to find places to hide because everybody talks about the, the particular tear gas they're using. Everybody says, be careful, it's Chinese tear gas. Mm. It's got heavy loads of dioxins. It's got cyanide in it. Like a lot of these people are going to end up with some health problems, I think. The, the ones mm. that have been, you know, relentlessly doing this for a long time, um, they they could end up with some quite, you know, severe respiratory illnesses if they haven't had decent um, protective wear. But that's, you know, that that siege was... Sorry, go ahead. No, I was going to say, do people have a sense of what happens when you're arrested? Because that's the other... I mean, that's the options available, right? Is keep fighting or get arrested. Yeah, and like a lot of people, I think, you know, I said, my my judgment on this is probably not the the greatest in the world, but I I would have said at 10 a.m. on Sunday, two to 3,000... uh, youth and students, you know, all masked up, all with hammers and uh, molotovs and metal bars, baseball bats, smashing up the the, the pavement to to get uh, to to smash up the bricks to have more projectiles to throw in inside a, a catapult to to launch petrol bombs at the at the police at the police vehicles. Uh, a guy with a bow and arrow who mm-hmm. ended up shooting a, a cop in the leg o- on Sunday. Um, uh, just. It, is frantic pace, a kitchen that was running 24-7 to feed people, so people were being rotated so they could get, get their energy up, um, medical stations everywhere inside. Um, uh, and, yeah, the, the, the attitude was just that they, as I said earlier, they're just going to fight. In terms of the arrest, people are incredibly scared of the police. So um, everybody is talking about um, extrajudicial killings yeah. and the raping of young women activists. And torture. Now, yeah, there's a whole lot, like, yeah, there's a whole bunch of stuff and some of it, it some of it might be triads as well, like people are saying that Beijing has mobilised the uh, the mafia, basically, and that there have been a, a couple of fights on the margins that have been publicised in the media of, uh, you know, gangs of, you know, it's unclear whether it's it's plainclothes police or mafia, but people say whatever. They're they're basically both the same because they're laws unto themselves now, because no police has been charged. But just all these, yeah, sort of disappearances of people. That exactly what is true, I don't know, but it's what people believe that really matters. I, I think um, because in the face of that, they keep fighting on, yeah. um, and you know, like I think since. Since Sunday now, around the Polytechnic, there's been more than a, a thousand people arrested. Uh, they're arresting people this morning, high school students, as they were, as they were going to school. Um, uh, 
what exactly comes of that if that cows people and how, how they're being treated. I'm, I'm not hooked into all the networks to know at this point exactly, you know, the, the people that have been released, you know, uh, after being arrested, you know, how, how many were arrested, but how many were charged and then how many are being held and then how many have been released and what their experiences are, I'm not sure. Ben, I wanted to ask about, you know, you mentioned just then about the call out uh, that came from within Polytech for other people to calm down and help them break the siege. And uh, uh, one of my uh, Hong Kong-based friends shared a video of uh, all of these people, kind of, you know, thousands of people rushing through the CBD to get to Polytech. And he made this comment when he shared it on his on his social media about uh, that, you know, for three months now, the common image has been people running away from tear gas. And this video was thousands of people rushing towards the tear gas and towards the police line, you know, and I think that for me, that was a moment where you thought that's a, that's a kind of seismic shift that must have struck fear into the heart of the establishment. Um, you know, so I think, I, I don't know if you, I can't remember if you were inside the Polytech at that stage or outside, but uh, I wonder if no, you have any comments about yeah, that I, moment. I, yeah, I, I was outside. That happened on Monday. I, I was outside at, at that point. And I must say that the the suburb I'm in, which is right next to the the, the, the polytechnic, um, is uh, Tim Sa Choi, um, and it was it was absolute mayhem. It, it, every street was being blocked by people. The paving stones ripped up um, across towards uh, the, the polytech. Um, something that I hadn't seen yet. Most of what I'd seen thus far had been. Uh, protesters moving as a block and police moving as a block in these long back and forwards where the you know the police would move forward firing tear gas, take a road, the protesters would come back, throw things at them, the police would move back to their position and you got these long interminable um, sort of, uh, yeah, long interminable back and forth going for hours. Well, on, on Monday, there were scuffles breaking up, police are making arrests, there were de-arrests, there were, you know, people fighting police uh at, at the margins um, around, around the polytechnic, um, and and the just the number of people um, that that converge. I'm not sure. I've heard you know ten thousand or more, but I couldn't get a sense of it because people coming from all directions. People people parking their cars um, on the on the roads to stop other police coming in. And again, it was the sense of um, spreading the forces thin. People. People were, were coming at the, at the police from behind because they wanted to give the people inside a break and hopefully give them a chance to escape. I'm not sure how many mm. did in, in that particular moment, but, but that's sort of the, the spirit that, yeah. that is sort of everywhere. When people are putting out calls, um, everyone is responding. Um, and that, that evening I was, I was trying to write and I was in a, I was in a, a bar and it was still going on. Uh, it's it's interesting. You, you, you hear uh, <laughs> and you, you witness, you know, the first night I was, I was there um, in the midst of all this carnage in Mong Kok, there, there was an old guy uh, at a street stall just selling drinks with a gas mask on, totally unperturbed. Um, and you feel like, oh, yeah, well, Hong Kong is, is something about this place. But, but by Monday night, it's the same. You could smell the tear gas, people running around everywhere. And after a week of everything, it, it, it just sort of felt normal. Um, uh, it was the first time I hadn't run because I had to get some <laughs> had to get some writing done. Um, uh, it's the first time I hadn't th- thought oh, I've got to I've got to be there to to watch this because 
if you, you try and be everywhere, you, can, you, you yeah, can't. There's so things much are just going on. One more, as somebody, for example, Oscar, go ahead. No, you tell the story. Well, somebody, for example, and this, this might give you a, a bit of this. Well, I'll give you two quick stories. Yeah. That night, here's a sense of the spirit of like, we don't take shit from nobody of some of these young people. There, there's a guy probably in his late 40s uh, drinking at, at another bar and he's had, a, he's had a few too many just across the road from where I was. And he, he voices his opinion for the police and gets a bit lippy. And so the protesters get lippy back and he walks out with his glass and throws the beer on the road and he's lots of bravado. And the next thing you know, um, you know, it starts to escalate and you're starting to think, well, what's going on? Somebody's trying to pull him back in. He keeps, he keeps yelling. And then all of a sudden, it's just this convergence of just black masks. There must have been two dozen just all of a sudden. Bricks start being thrown into the bar, chairs, people, uh, people like people running for cover in the bar. Mm. And then they just get over this guy in the bar. You can just see them pummeling. Next thing you know, somebody has just picked up, you know, a small person, again, very young person, they've picked up uh, an empty keg and they just smash it on him. And then, you know, other protesters come in and basically say that's enough. But it sounds like that's been going on around town as well. Like full voice to the protesters that they support the police. The protesters are not, oh, you know, let a thousand flowers bloom of opinions in this town. It's, you know, if you're gonna, you are supporting fascism and we're going to smash you. Yeah. Um, another one, which is probably more heartening in a way, <laughs> just, <laughs> just violent clutch, rage violent, of the youth. When the Chinese university was... Uh, uh, evacuated on on Friday night, I went to rush there um, and I got the last to the closest train station because the line had been uh, shut down and it, tried to get a taxi to the to the campus. Taxi driver was having none of it. He, he was not going to go anywhere near um, the campus. But there were just a couple of young people right nearby um, who could see that I wanted to go there. Immediately one's on their phone saying, look, I'll get you a ride, um, we'll call our friends. Uh, there are these support networks called, they call them parents in a way, because they're the people who collect the children from where, you know, if, if there's a, it's the end of a demonstration, they go and pick them up so they don't have to walk uh, walk home or catch public transport where they might be picked up by police or the, or the thugs um, who get them from campus to campus. There's just hundreds or if not thousands of cars. So they took me as close as I could get and when we then there's this traffic jam in the middle of the night because all of these so-called parents dropping, have you know, the words got out. So yeah. Yeah. well, they're just going or to pick people, people up, up and yeah. get get them the hell out of there. Yeah, get get, get to get people out of there before the police come. Yeah, that's uh, and incredible. I didn't stay long. Yeah, I didn't stay long, and I need. I thought, well, I, I heard it was going off in Mong Kok again, so I thought I'll I'll try and go back there. And all I had to do was just wave down the, the, the like the first vehicle happened to be a scooter, just wave down. So can you take me to Moncock? And he just grabs a helmet because he knew exactly why I was going hmm. and just drove me straight there. He wouldn't take any money, you know. It's just yeah. this is what people are doing everywhere. Um, it's a, it's a real, uh, although the you know the, the 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 front of the demonstrations is in the thousands at any given moment, um, the the network of support is well into the hundreds of thousands. Like yeah. That's abundantly clear from what happened in the Polytechnic, that they could get, you know, 10,000 just like that, but that one. And that's in a, in a very dangerous situation. 
Um, there are just, you know, people everywhere, you know, older people wandering through demonstrations, handing out umbrellas or bottles of water, tissues, food, just, you know, they know they can't be on the front lines. It's too dangerous for them or whatever, but they just want to be there and mm. help, you know. So it's a, it's a real mm. sense that the, there's, there's a massive section of this city uh, who all feel like they're, they're in it together. Ben, I know you you have to go somewhere in one second, so I'm going to ask you just one last question. And it's because, I mean, you're the editor of a revolutionary socialist newspaper. So I guess if you could say something about what are the kind of politics of the discussions? Like, what are people talking about? Any kind of political theory or are they just just fighting or are people drawing political conclusions from any of this? Or do you have a sense of anything like that, kind of as a socialist looking at this situation? Yeah, it's one thing that I've been attempting to get to the bottom of. And I feel like I have because I've spoken to enough people who are plugged in. And, there, yeah, there, there is there are no political or ideological debates going on. There's the five demands of the movement um, and then there's the increasingly a rabid hatred of the police. And that's pretty much where it ends. All the debates, and partly it may very well reflect that they know they're going down to defeat, that all the, well, that they believe that, you know, they can't win, or at least a significant section of them believe that, um, that, uh, that all the debates, from what I understand, it's purely tactical, how best to defend themselves, how best to fight the cops, how best to create the greatest amount of disruption, etc. Um, so, for example, now, um, since uh, since the fall of Polytechnic, um, what I've been told by several people now, that the debates now are that um, uh, the, the Polytechnic and uh, the Chinese uh, and some of the big street demonstrations show that they simply cannot match the firepower of the police, um, that people can't throw Molotov cocktails far enough, that, the, that these are useless, that they need to get back to the, the Bruce Lee of being like water, that putting themselves all in one position and then having a thousand of them uh, arrested, um, that they don't want to, well, that one of the debates is that, 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 or apparently a lot of people are saying they don't, they don't want to do this again. Um, they they want to go back to being able to have small actions and then just disperse. And so, you know, um, get out of the way of the place who, who are now, you know, are, they're coming out now, the police, with there's a new police chief. Uh, they're, they're starting to uh, carry more powerful uh, weaponry. They've got AR-15s have been out the last couple of days and and, and they're, they're basically saying, we're going we're gonna to start using these. Um, they, I mean, they already have, I think, three people in total have been uh, shot by police thus far. Um, but outside of that, yeah, it's it, there's there's no that there is no political debate, and that's what the people that switched in are telling me. That just zero political debate. Um, the, the thing that does come up is the, is the question of the the United States, um, but it, it's it's so marginal to the protests. Even though uh, one activist um, uh, said that pretty much everybody would be happy if the United States took over the place, um, but this isn't. You know, people aren't chanting for the United States. Mm. I think it's it's out of a sense of desperation yeah. that they they know like they know that they're, they're enemy the only is force that they that could actually stand up to China, right? Exactly, it's the only force that anyone recognises that has a power. 
uh, to, to do something against uh, Beijing. And in a sense, that's understandable. I, I was thinking um, the other day, um, and in, actually in the last article I wrote, I, can, I made a comparison uh, or an, an analogy. It's not a great analogy, but if you compare the, um, the East Timorese struggle against Indonesia, it, it took something else to weaken the militaries, the Indonesian militaries hold on the archipelago for the, the East Timorese to have a space to be free of uh, Indonesian domination. Um, they also, the, you know, the East Timorese, they were also calling for uh, Western imperialist intervention. And Australia finally did go in there. The, the Australian military went in. I, I think some of the sentiments are, are broadly similar. You know, faced with a massive enemy that they don't believe they can beat on their own, they're groping around yeah. to, and just thinking, well, who's powerful? Who can be our friend? Uh, and, you know, wouldn't it be good if they did something? But but it's probably even less of, uh, from what I can tell, it's sort of less the case here than, say, with the um, with the, the Timorese because Timorese leadership were, I mean, they had a leadership here. It's a bit more, you know, it's sort of leaderless movement. Um but they, they were openly calling for, for intervention for, for, for a while, but nobody's really openly calling for it. It seems to be just the sentiment that, um, uh, you know, be, wouldn't that be good? Yeah. But, it's, but it's clear, like, for, for all the intrigue and, you know, lots of people want to say that, oh, the CIA's behind all this, that, that this, is, this is just a, an American intrigue, the Americans are funding the whole thing. Well, it, it, it's probably not the case. If you're on the ground, you'd see this as a broad-based grassroots movement and, you know, the people that wave American flags are, are utterly marginal mm. um, and it has nothing to do with any of the... There are no demands that in any way relate to the United States and it's not popular sentiment, you know, chanting USA, USA. It's just, it's just really anti-police, uh, anti-Hong uh, Kong government and anti-Beijing. Uh, yeah, that, that's that's the core of it. Well, Ben, thank you so much for um, speaking to us on the podcast, and and for people listening, if you want to read what Ben has been writing from Hong Kong, uh, look up redflag.org.au, and also I'd make a plug for people to subscribe to Red Flag newspaper. Uh, you can also get a digital subscription, and all of your subscriptions help um, the newspaper to keep delivering this kind of content that really um, it's, it's very hard to get anywhere else, frankly. So, Ben, take care over there and we'll see you uh, when you get back. Thanks, Roz. Thanks, Maddie. Thanks, Liam. Thanks, Ben. Thanks. So that was Ben Hillier, Red Flag's uh, editor, one of ed the editorial team of Red Flag. And um, I was so excited at the beginning of recording <laughs> this podcast that I didn't uh, introduce Liam Ward, who I should introduce who is um, the producer of the show and, and uh, my regular co-host. And we were also joined by Maddie Ha, who's a Chinese-Australian activist who's organised some solidarity protests here in Melbourne uh, for the Hong Kong students. Maddie, I'm sorry you didn't really get a word in there, <laughs> but okay. I think what we will be doing um, in the coming days or in the next couple of weeks is I think it would be really great to have a show where we talk more about some of the politics um, behind kind of the context of what we've just heard from Ben and um, to talk about the ongoing struggle and, and some of the stuff that we didn't get to talk about today. So will you come back, Maddie? Yes, I will. Okay. <laughs> we could easily fill a whole show just with your thoughts on this, actually, because there's oh, so much more to yeah. cover here. So yeah. much has happened, yeah. 
So stay tuned. Uh, you're listening to Red Flag Radio, and we have a world to win. <laughs> <laughs> 